0: Welcome to Get Your Head Back in the Game. This is a podcast about the amazing human spirit to overcome setbacks and stories to inspire you to get your head back in the game. My name is Melissa Ross. I am a mother, a wife, a sibling, a former professional cyclist, a cycling coach, and a serial entrepreneur. I am a traumatic brain injury warrior. I have lost everything and have fought my way back step by step. And I invite you to do the same. So get ready to join me for this wild ride. Hello everybody and welcome to episode six of Get Your Head Back in the Game. I'm with Allison Dennis. And Allison is the founder of Waymyrack.com and also is currently in remission for a brain tumor. And so Allison has a pretty inspiring story and a hard story to tell, I'm sure, about what she went through and how she's making a really good comeback from this. So Allison, do you want to talk about little bit about your background and kind of you know who who you are especially before the tumor happened
1: yeah so basically um one of the things recently i feel like describes me well is i went to college for um computer and systems engineering so the hardware and software side and then i also got a degree in psychology And I feel like that kind of is the culmination, like I'm kind of literal, I like logical things, but at the same time I have like a high empathy. And so, um, generally speaking, like that's how I operate in the world. I like system structure, uh, or I like creating systems and structure, not necessarily following them. But, um, so pre-tumor, I had left my job at Boeing a number of years ago, almost a decade, and had been living on the road in a travel trailer with my partner Andreas, and I had started this company called Way My Rack, which is a climbing company that compiles every single piece of gear there is and puts it in one spot and helps you find the best gear, whether that includes teaching you about gear, but basically listing every piece of gear that exists in the world, um, <laughs> and helping you narrow down those solutions or the choices that are best for you um, via some of the most detailed and descriptive filters like available on the
0: internet. (laughs) Right. Um, So then, where were you with WayMyRack when you started seeing, you know, something was going on with you?
1: Uh, So I didn't notice it as much with WayMyRack but I was noticing it um, a lot more like physical symptoms. So the earliest symptom uh, when I racked my brain that I could possibly pick out is in like November 2019, I was running a bunch because my partner wanted to um, do a 100 miler and uh, those were like our date nights and everything (laughs) Um, and basically I started running like holding my arm, uh, my left arm just like um, at a 90 degree angle and my right arm would be like long yeah. and Andreas would ask me about it and I'd be like, I don't know, this just feels natural. Like there was nothing weird about it. Um, and then sometimes, every now and again, like I'd go around a corner and I'd lose balance. It was always the same direction around the corner. And I was like, huh, that's weird, maybe, maybe I could like look into a running coach or something and see what it is about my gait that's weird. Um, but like, didn't think anything of that. And then in kind of June, July of 2020, um, I stopped having confidence swallowing and it wasn't that I was doing it wrong per se. Like I never like choked on water, but oftentimes I would hold water in my mouth for a little bit longer before I felt comfortable. Like, Oh, it's going to go down the right tube. Um, which is just this really weird experience. Um, But since I wasn't doing it wrong, and this is also like right when COVID's kind of going crazy and the hospitals are super overcrowded, and um, I didn't go in to see my doctor because I was like, likely they're just going to say, you know, keep monitoring this. If you actually have problems swallowing, like, let me know. Or if there's any other symptoms, let me know. Um, So I kind of stayed away from the doctor's office at that point. Um, yeah, because I also just didn't want to catch COVID. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think a lot of people felt that way. <laughs> and so there was kind of like nothing for a little while. Um, we did this crazy adventure, um, pack rafting um, in Wyoming where we like hiked like 30 miles into the Shoshone National Forest or National Wilderness and um, then pack rafted like 30 miles. And when we were pack rafting, I was like, huh, you know, my left side, like, I just don't have as much strength, or I have to put a lot more intention into paddling than my right side. But I was like, I'm right handed. That's probably a natural thing. Like, this is my first time really pack rafting. So I didn't really think much of this, like, left side weakness at that point, because I wasn't really experiencing it anywhere else. And then kind of in September, there was like three mountain bike rides that are are very (laughs) clear in my mind that were like ramping up the escalation of what's going on. Um, so we did this ride in Park City. Uh, I can't remember how long it was, but after getting done that ride, my left arm, like I couldn't really use it if I lifted it up more than like halfway. Um, like I couldn't like, hold something like say a dish or you know dinner or something with my left arm and I was like oh that's super weird um all my friends were going climbing the next day and this is the first time I've ever said like oh no I'm gonna take a day off like not go climbing with you guys because um, it felt like maybe I'd pinched a nerve or something like oh. maybe mountain biking I turned left looked right didn't notice and just like something was a little weird there yeah um so then we went m- mountain biking the next weekend and I was borrowing my friend's bike, and I was like, huh, this, it's a little more jittery, and I'm like, maybe his, his bike is just looser than mine or something, like, I've, I've never really used other people's bikes before, and going downhill, I couldn't stand up the whole time, yeah. and this is the first time I've ever felt like I couldn't stand up the entire way down. Like, oh, wow. my left leg was just kind of, like, Elvisy, and I was like, that's really weird. Um, that's like, also my left leg, because my left arm was, like, still having a little bit of weakness. Um, I didn't associate that at all with, like, the bad steering, but in retrospect, it certainly probably was, um, and I was, like, man, that's super weird, and so then the next week, I did another mountain bike ride, and it was on a super narrow, not very used trail, and we had been on a lot or narrow trails before, like that That shouldn't have been an issue, but I was ping-ponging off of like every stage rush there was, and I was just like, what's going on? Like I cannot stay in the middle of the trail, and in retrospect, it was certainly just a lack of um, uh, strength in my left arm, so like over undercorrecting, like right. just back and forth, I couldn't figure out like what that balance was, because it was so off, yeah. and then at one point on that trail, like I had stopped, um, it was right before like some trees were down, and I had my left leg down, my right leg was still on the bike, and I kind of just, like, slowly tipped over, and I was like, well, that was super weird, like, I've never, like, fallen on my bike not moving. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, super weird, so we, like, continued riding a little bit more, and it, um, crosses with a paved road and i was like hey you guys like keep riding without me like i'm just gonna ride down this paved road and go to the car because like just not feeling it today i don't know what's going on but things are weird right and that was kind of like partly when things were culminating that previously i felt like i had a lot of like one-off symptoms that could be explained away this way or just like super weird or just seemed like super disconnected like at the same time Um, my speech pattern was getting a little weird. Like I had a hard time saying D's, S's, um, and T's. Wow. And then there was this thing that was happening every now and again, not super often, but the air, instead of like going through my mouth when I was talking, would somehow go through my nose and it would start tickling my nose, which would then kind of make me cry or it would make me sound like I was crying, and eventually would almost, like, turn into me feeling like I was crying because it was, like, this tickling sensation in my ears. Nose. So, like, I would, I would sound, like, scared or like I was crying, even though, like, to me, I was talking normally, but yeah. somehow that air was just, like, going in a totally different direction. Um, and so that third mountain bike ride was probably a few days before I went into the ER, and I also... Um, my hands, like the tips of my fingers started getting a little tingly, particularly in the shower. And I think it was the day before I went to the ER, um, my face also started getting uh, tingly in the shower, like my nose and my lips. And I was like, okay, this this means something like seriously is wrong, I don't know what it is. Um, And so we went, oh, and I also had started a slight limp, like when I was walking for a longer distance. And I just realized that like a few days before going into the ER too. Like a lot of stuff a few days before the ER just like culminated to be like, okay, there's something like super wrong. And before going into the ER, I kind of thought maybe I had like a small stroke and didn't realize it. Cause right. it seemed like everything was left sided. Oh. Like even when I looked in the mirror, I felt like maybe my left face, the left side of my face like might be a little droopy or like might not be responding like I should. Yeah, like um, my partner Andreas, he's like super observant, and I was like, "Do you see anything wrong with my face?" And he's like, "No," and I was like, "Huh? Okay." Like I, I feel like I just had this like tiny, tiny sense that something is like not right, but right. Um, it, it certainly wasn't big. Uh, I was also like waking up in the morning and I had to pee like so badly I would have to like run to the bathroom. Otherwise, I felt like there was a chance I could pee my pants. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Like, just was, like, total urgency. Wow. Um, And either the day before I went, I think it was the day before I went to the ER, also, like, the left arm had just, like, continued to get, like, weaker. And I couldn't really, like, unclasp my bra or, like, take off my shirt, like, easily by myself. Oh. Um, Like, I could kind of manage it. It was a lot easier if Andreas did it. But just because, like, I couldn't use my left hand, like, after it was halfway up. Like, it had no strength. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So. That had to be so scary and weird when you're, you know, you're a climber. So, obviously, you have a lot of strength and you're an endurance athlete. Yeah. So it It was definitely, like, unnerving.
1: And I remember, like, before going to the ER, telling my friends, I was like, oh, you know, the only reason I'm going to the ER is so, like, it, it's not like cancerous, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so like this this will make sure like I'm going in. I'm gonna check on it, because um, my mom had uh, died of pancreatic cancer like about two years prior. Oh wow! And so it was like you know it can't be that like the chances would be so low because um, uh, she did get tested like she didn't have the genetic markers for it be or she didn't have the yeah genetic markers for it being like a genetic disease. Right. But yeah, I was just like, what? Like when I went into the ER uh, and basically would tell the doctors all my symptoms, they seemed pretty convinced it was probably MS. I don't remember if they were like saying that aloud or how I got that impression. But until they did the tests and in the MRI found the tumor and they're like, oh, that actually explains
0: everything. um, I think they thought I had MS. Wow. Did... You get that diagnosis when you went into the ER or what, I mean, how did how did that kind of ha- play out and what was going through your head when they came in and told you what was going on? Yeah,
1: so they found out I had the tumor and they didn't I mean, brain tumor sounds like totally nuts. <laughs> Um, But at the same time, like, I didn't really understand, like, I know they do brain surgeries. I also know they're, like, super risky because you're dealing with a brain. Um, But I didn't really understand at the time, like, what my tumor was in the ER. So one of the ER docs, he basically was like, yeah, we could do surgery here. But hearing that you're from Seattle or, like, that's where, you know, you left on your travel trailer adventure, Um, you have a really good support network there, like, they have really great hospitals. We recommend you go, um, go to Seattle because they actually have, like, um, super brain specialists, whereas, like, we're more general brain. They're, like, super right. special lists. And so we basically busted to Seattle. We got there in, like, two days. And that guy had recommended we check into the ER immediately just to, like, get in the system. Right. Which I always find, like, a strange way the medical system works. But we checked in, and the Seattle neuro-oncologists who were, like, on call immediately knew this wasn't operable. And that was a really big uh, turning point, I guess. And, like, so it, for two days we were like, oh, we're, we're going to deal with brain surgery like who knows what's going to happen we know brain surgery is crazy maybe I will have to relearn how to walk or relearn how to have to talk like have no idea like normally when we're we're traveling on the road we're listening to like podcasts music all sorts of stuff and our drive from Salt Lake City to Seattle we listened to nothing (laughs) and like we didn't even realize like how in our heads just like thinking about everything yeah like so I think it was September 30th was when we were in the ER And I remember thinking, like, I want to live long enough to, like, vote in the November presidential (laughs) elections. (laughs) But, like, I was, like, I don't know if that's actually, like, going to be a thing. I remember thinking I was, like, bummed that Wimirac, like, wasn't in a place where it would be easy for Andreas or anyone else to, like, take it over. Like, there was a lot of things that I knew about the site that, like, no one else knows how it works. Um... So, yeah, it was in, the, in that sense, it was very dire in terms of the thoughts. It was like, well, hopefully I live through brain surgery. So then getting to Seattle and finding out, like, I'm not able to get surgery, it was like now I have no idea, like, what to expect. Or what and, your plan is. Yeah, and the – the, the, so what – I have a midline glioma brain tumor and it's in the base of the brain stem, or base of the brain in the brainstem, in the pons area. And that's kind of like where your spinal cord comes in and basically is the area that does the directions for everything your body is doing. And so because my tumor is in the center of that area, it is not touching any sides. So I'm not a surgical candidate where they can't even biopsy it because they would have to kind of go through the side of the brainstem and they don't know what they would hit as they're doing that. So it could be like, oh, this is the area for breathing. And like, we just severed that neural connection. And so obviously that would be catastrophic. (laughs) So it's just like incredibly high risk because my tumor isn't touching any edge that they could like get into. Wow. And so basically everyone that saw me when I was in the ER basically started whatever they were going to say with, I'm so sorry. And so like anytime you hear like that, you're just like, uh, <laughs> I don't know what you mean exactly, but uh, I'm going to infer that's not good news. <laughs> right. So eventually I met um, a neuro radiologist and a neuro-oncologist. Uh, who were my doctors for the remainder of my time. And my first meeting with a neuroradiologist in particular was another like super level setting area. So that day, that morning was the first day I saw double vision. And I had been like so proud that I hadn't seen double vision previously because that was one of the questions that every single doctor asked. And so I was just like, oh, I must be doing at least somewhat well, because I'm, I'm seeing clear still, and that's, like, one of these big signs that they're looking for.
0: Mm. And the
1: doctor, the neuroradiologist, she was basically like, yeah, our goal isn't to necessarily make you better. It's kind of just to make sure you don't get worse, kind of with the unsaid implication of, like, we're trying not to have you die. Right. And it was just like, oh, Oh, I thought all the goal was always to get you better. <laughs> like, I didn't realize we we're just going for like, oh, here's your baseline right now. But like, oh, crap. Like, this is this is pretty serious. Right. Um, yeah, so basically pretty soon it was decided that I would get six weeks of chemo, daily chemo pills, and I would get daily radiation. Mm
0: mm-hmm. How does the radiation work? Like what is that like when you go in for radiation? So that's a good
1: question. I feel like previously I could have explained that better, but I haven't told this story in a little while. So uh, I had, I believe it was photon beam therapy, and basically they mapped out my brain and where the tumor was, and this thing, this huge machine kind of goes around your head and like blasts lasers in. Wow. Or photon beams, it's not really lasers. Um, but basically, they're aimed at the tumor and they they kind of say they kind of tell you that they're only killing cancer cells, but that's kind of it doesn't really explain it that well in the sense that cancer cells don't repair themselves like they're so busy multiplying that they can't repair themselves so when they're multiplying they're exposing their nucleus and then the the beams can hit them and essentially like kill them and they can't like return from that because they don't have this mechanism to heal themselves and the good cells are still sometimes getting hit but they aren't as concerned with multiplying so they're able to like uh, repair Mm. and so I think that's oftentimes why you experience like a lot of other symptoms like fatigue and memory loss and all these other things with the radiation right Um, because like good cells are also getting hurt in this process but hopefully you kind of gain back that ability as as time goes on yeah uh you're also the the weird part is um you're like laying on this bed as you do this and your head is in this like kind of cage mask that was made for you to make sure that your head is able to stay like perfectly still. Um, there, there's some people I show the mask to and they're like, yeah, that's cool. But most of them are like, that's so creepy. <laughs> <laughs> like it kind of, it reminds me like, I always thought of it, it was like an El Luchador mask. <laughs> But I, I often try, reframe things in the positive, so... Right. <laughs> I think that was actually just one of the things that was really helpful um, throughout my whole experience is that at any setback, I was always trying to, like, think about the positive. And not necessarily consciously. That's just, like, how I've operated in life. So, like, when I went into the ER and all of this stuff, like, I... At one point, I could barely walk, like, a quarter mile without limping. Yeah. Um, well, at one point, the limp was ever-present, and it would just get worse, and a quarter mile was kind of, like, the, the time where it was, like, okay, like, now I can really feel like I'm limping, and it would just get, get worse after that. But I was, like, you know, I'm ready to sell my mountain bike. Like, because of COVID, mountain bike prices are, like, through the roof. We might as well sell it now because there's no way I'm going to be riding that in the next five years yeah. and all of this other stuff that – I was like well you know maybe I'll be able to tandem bike and like I I was I, I I, feel like I just said that in like a negative way but like I was like oh you know we're gonna like maybe go tandem biking now <laughs> like I used to joke with Andreas that like oh we should get a tandem bike he was always like never yeah <laughs> so it was like this constant joke but like once cancer happened I was like hey Drake maybe we can get a tandem bike <laughs> And he he was has actually, to say like, yes. open to the idea, finally. Where <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, so maybe like packrafting—that experience was super cool, but maybe I won't be packrafting again. Like maybe it'll be like lower key canoe trips, yeah, or something. Like I was, I was already like level setting to like some
0: what you something. could do,
1: yeah. And I was, and I was really, I had no idea what to expect from radiation and chemo. I was kind of like, I have everything else in line for me in terms of like I have family support system um we happen to have good insurance like a bunch of things were in line that I was like as long as the science and the chemistry can like do something like even if I can live for like two years probably there will be another clinical trial or something that like maybe could work right like my hope is just that this can like this current treatment will keep me alive for like two more years and then we can kind of figure out what's next then. Right, that
0: was 2020, right?
1: Yeah, I'm basically just yeah. over two years out now. Wow. Yeah, big difference.
0: <laughs> um, did you ever, I mean you say that you always thought about like the positive, but did you ever feel like you were grieving over what you were dealing with? Like was it ever like overwhelming? Not so much in the moment, and I think that
1: was because everything was happening so fast. Yeah. It, it was, I think, less than two weeks since I was in the ER till when I, like, started uh, chemo and radiation. Wow. And by, like, week three of radiation, I was so tired. I mean, every, everything that I was doing was kind of exhausting anyways. Um, like, even, you know, walking a mile, like that was a big deal. And so, in some ways I felt like I didn't have time to, or I was so busy thinking about, like, Waymer Rack or Andreas or like all these other things, like how are they going to operate that I didn't didn't get in that spot. I think after treatment, I had a little bit more time to think about that. And certainly there's often times where I'll like compare myself to previously Right. And I think that would definitely be part of like the trauma or grieving process. So like a lot of times I'll do something and I'll be like, I, yeah, I'd never do that. Pre, pre, pre-tumor, this is not how Allison operates. It's a post-tumor thing or just thinking about what my abilities are. I have no idea anymore. Like I feel like I used to know what I could do. Right. And, and maybe that was like a false sense of reality anyways. <laughs> Um, But at the same time, I had expectations of like, oh, if I go at this speed, I could maintain this speed for like days. Right. Or if I'm at like this heart rate, there's not going to be an issue in my performance. Yeah. And now I have no idea. Right. (laughs) It's just a huge unknown. And I think one of the also things, something that's benefited me through this process is generally speaking... I am more comfortable with the unknown than the average person, or like yeah. the idea of unknown and uncertainty and like going into the future. I can imagine a lot of future scenarios, and generally that ability to in- imagine future scenarios I generally speak pick the positive scenarios, yeah because they're all equally possible, so why not really focus on
0: those or yeah. like
1: that's just where my mind goes
0: right yeah, it's like you always see the hope kind of yeah at the other end <laughs> that's good um did uh like when you were going through treatment and then even after treatment what were some of the big symptoms and things that you're dealing with because you talk a lot about walking but i mean there was also things you mentioned about that were similar to ms mm. and like stroke and all these different types of other neurological things?
1: Yeah, so going into treatment, I had all the symptoms I talked about earlier, um, like particularly my left side, uh, super weak, uh, started seeing double vision, and kind of going through treatment, fatigue super increased. Um, I think I hadn't noticed how fatigued I was. I was just like doing a little bit less or wasn't able to say go climbing because my left arm was weird. Yeah. But I didn't notice it as directly until like going through treatment. While I was in treatment, I was laying down a lot. And I always thought about it as like active resting or proactive recovery or something like – because my idea was if I'm laying down and I'm resting, then my body has all the resources – to fix itself or you know like help whatever I need in this moment like if I'm not worrying about trying to balance which I know is taking a lot of energy or these other things then like my body can be focused on itself and healing in whatever way that means and so I was definitely laying down a majority of the time through treatment yeah and I didn't realize, like, one of the things I thought through treatment is like, oh, I'll probably watch a lot of Netflix because, like, I, I don't really have the mental capacity to do a lot of other things. But particularly in the beginning, like, the first three weeks of treatment in particular, I couldn't even really watch Netflix. Like, I just couldn't, I don't, I don't know if I, like, just wasn't comprehending what was going on or I just didn't have the ability to pay attention. Right. right? I don't know if it was just brain fog but I, I couldn't even... I, I wasn't engaged in any of those shows. or right. like I couldn't follow the storyline. It's similar with reading. Like, I actually... It's two years out, and I'm now kind of able to read a little bit better um, in terms of, like, comprehension. Like, I'll end up reading a paragraph, and I'll read it, like, over and over again. And I'm like, I recognize the words that I'm reading, but I don't have... A sense of comprehension in like how this fits to the rest of the story or like right. how this character like what he was doing before that then like they're going to do in the future or something like that um, I did I, I, I can read youth adult books much better and so that's actually in the last year has been one of my big learning points and excitements is like oh my gosh I can read again like right. if I'm reading youth adult books <laughs> Uh, But I think I kind of lost uh, where your original question was going. Basically, now, I would say I still have balance and fatigue issues. Yeah. Certainly, closer to treatment, that was exacerbated so much more. Like, just putting socks on, there would be, I would say, at least a 50-50 chance, if I was standing up putting my socks on, that I would, like, tip over during that process. Um, Now, my balance, like... If I, if I go to a physical therapist or this is actually, um, I started going to a physical therapist in, or while I was in treatment and I was like, I want to get a baseline of where I'm at. Cause I expect this to be a really long road of recovery. Right. I feel like my balance isn't good. I am used to a lot of athletic pursuits. Uh, so I would like to get back to whenever I can. And so the physical therapist is doing tests. She's like, generally, it looks like your balance is pretty good. And at one point, she had me. She's like, okay, I want you to stand on this, like, squishy pad and hold this, like, medicine ball and do squats. Close your eyes. And while you're doing that, like, move the medicine ball, like, side to side. Oh, wow. And so I did that. And I did it fine. And she's like, okay, I've, A, never had anybody do this before. B... I'm not sure I could do this. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds very hard. (laughs) You're fine. And I'm kind of like, well, this is cheating. Like, you have me in a perfect squat position. Like, this isn't normal. Like, you're not set up like this, like, in most life situations. (laughs) And so... Like I, at that point, I was like, okay, I have different expectations of what I want my body to do. Like, I I'm not looking for physical therapy to make sure I can like cook by myself or like wipe my own butt or you know right. something like just getting by in life. Like, I have very high uh, expectations of physically what I would like my body to be able to do. Right. And no matter how long that takes to like get back there, like that would be my goal. <laughs> and the like at least at the hospital, they. They don't do goals like that. (laughs) Um, So that's actually uh, to go down a a rabbit hole. Is is how we (laughs) kind of knew each other in 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 that. Basically, I at that point I was like, okay, I need to find a physical therapist who like works with athletes, right? Or um, whatnot. But at that time, like I, we were still living on the road. And so, I mean, we were spending a lot of time at Andreas's parents' house during my recovery period, but we didn't have our own house anywhere, like a rental or own a house or something. And so, uh, jump ahead a little bit. In November 2021, we ended up buying a house in Laramie, Wyoming. And I was like, okay, now that I'm in like a... Uh, more stable location I want to like look for a physical therapist and I was like oh we're so close to Fort Collins like there's got to be athletic physical therapists there and so I was like googling and uh, looking for athlete physical therapists and I was finding things like oh we'll get you walking again after your ski incident and I was like "Mm, that's not that's not quite where I'm at And I found like these places that were like, oh, we'll get you back in golf shape. And I was like, what's golf shape? Like, I don't know what that is, but I don't think that's what I'm looking for. Right. And so I was like, well, I'm not finding anything when I'm looking for physical therapists. Maybe I can just find a coach. And I was going to look for a mountain bike coach specifically because my last therapist, when she was like, oh, what do you want to get back to doing? And I listed off like the 14 sports and hobbies. She was like, oh, mountain biking? Like, don't even think about that one. Um, and I think that was more in, like, in the list, if we were to order them, that one should be at the bottom of the list. It just didn't come off that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, because you're you're moving so fast. Right. You, like, the visual sensations along with the balancing required. That Like, of all the things that I do that, like, requires the most things to be going right in your brain or for your brain to be processing to make yeah. sure you can do it correctly. And so... That's what I was most focused on—is this idea of like wanting to be able to mountain bike. Yeah, and I actually gotten on my bike uh, secretly (laughs) when no one was around uh, that summer, uh, just on paved road, just to see like, could I even like just get down like. Uh, a road or like a flat road that was paved that had like no traffic on it <laughs> right and i didn't fall over so i was like okay i think there's i think this is this is this isn't going to be too bad yeah um uh but anyways i was i was looking for a mountain bike coach specifically and i thought that like they didn't have to be like a neurospecialist or anything like that like basically if they can just like see patterns of what i'm doing and then if they give me advice and i can't do that then maybe they can like help work as just another way to do something and it just like coincidentally I just have a brain tumor that's blocking neurons or I just need more practice or to create new neural pathways or other stuff like that and so I googled for mountain bike coaches in Laramie because I was like might as well try a local (laughs) and there's like you know a ton of trails nearby so maybe and I got a hit on Killer Coach, and I was just like, what, no way, and I was so excited because I went on the website, and one of the coaches in particular also had 25 years PT experience, and I was yep. just like, this is exactly what I'm looking for, so I like wrote an email very energetically, and I was like, oh, crap, coaches want goals. And I was like, I've actually I've tried specifically not to have goals in my like physical life because I'm kind of a competitive person. Yeah. And I don't want my like physical parts to be like as competitive. Like mentally, I I'm 100 percent okay with being competitive. (laughs) I can't really help myself. But physically, I didn't want to bring that into my world. And so I was like, oh, crap coaches need goals I don't know like I heard about this race once that was like five days long uh five day stage race in North Carolina in the Pisgah National Forest and I was like well I mean that'd be pretty insane to think about like being able to do five days in a row on a mountain bike through fairly like gnarly terrain and so I emailed and I was like yeah I think this uh five day stage race would be pretty cool a good goal a goal (laughs) You weren't on your bike yet. Uh, I think I had ridden like two, maybe three rides. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not technical.
0: It's not a normal first goal.
1: <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I tell a lot of people like different parts of like what's going on with my brain tumor, and they're like, "Yeah, you're not normal in general." <laughs> like, oh right or sometimes people will be like so you're basically just telling me like you're not superhuman anymore and I'm like well the problem is um but yeah so I emailed her and she's like well actually I'm not in Laramie my co-coach is you um (laughs) but I would love to be your coach and coincidentally I live in Brevard North Carolina where this race takes place and I was just like well, I think that's, like, a good enough of a sign. Like, I should, like, continue embarking on this uh, thing. Even though I I was looking for someone who would be in person so they could, like, watch and see um, different nuances. I was like, this still seems like it's going to be a good relationship. <laughs> uh, she's like, but uh, my co-coach, Melissa, is in uh, Laramie, and you guys should definitely, like, go riding together. And so... Our rides together were actually probably some of my earlier rides. Yeah. Well, we
0: started out walking. We were only going on hikes. Oh, Yeah, we did do that first. We were doing a lot of hikes, and you were still talking about your balance. And I remember our first ride, like, I didn't even bring the dogs because mm. they want the dogs, like, be an extra brain stimulus.
1: Totally. <laughs> going around.
0: Totally. But yeah. it was, like, I was actually just looking... It was so ironic because when Trisha told me about you, um, like my whole goal, I had just had my relapse for my TBI. And my whole goal for 2022 was to like make friends. (laughs) (laughs) Because I felt like I had just hid myself away from people for, you know, a few years. And then she talked about you and I met you and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to make a new friend. <laughs> She's going to understand me.
1: <laughs> totally. I actually, I remember as I was kind of like checking out Killer Coach, I came across your blog post of riding the Arizona Trail, and you were talking about some of the different symptoms, and I was like, holy crap, like, these are really similar symptoms to what I'm experiencing in fatigue and
0: balance and brain fog and yeah. stuff like that. yeah. It was crazy. Um, but you had, you know, there's a lot of things that you have that, you know, are very, very different from what I had to go through. So.
1: Yeah, it's wild how many things, yeah, or are, are even listening to your po- other podcast episodes, it's like there there's times when I'm like, oh, I'm, I know exactly what she's talking about here. Or hearing someone else's story and being like, I definitely have experienced that. And then like you were saying other times just being like, yeah, but at the same
0: time, it's like wildly different. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, And then what I found was really cool about last year, after I met you and we started walking and biking was I noticed these huge jumps in your progression from where you were in January to, you know, March. I think it was March we started riding the Gaudi Grinder trails Mm. for the end of March. Um, But you were making these just massive um, progressions. It was really, really exciting. Yeah, do I I talk about that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's it's crazy. Like when we first started riding, I couldn't like. I didn't have enough ability to, like, control my handlebars and get my um, water tube out to be able to drink. (laughs) Right. Whether that was, like, my hip pack or my camelback or whatever. Like, I couldn't take my hand off the bars long enough. And then I remember, like, getting to a spot where, like, oh, if I super fast, like, go to reach the bladder, get, like, the the straw into my mouth, like, I could get my hand back on the handlebar enough that, that, like, eventually I could take a few steps sips. But then I couldn't, like... Necessarily like get it back in the spot like yeah. that's I actually stopped wearing my hip pack because I could never like Get it back tied in or like w- even with the magnetic clip like I just couldn't find it right um, so I started I went back to a, a backpack style but Yeah, or like eating. Yeah, definitely not while well moving <laughs> Right. <laughs> like I now uh, I can I can eat like gummies or like uh, if I break up bars or something like I can um, I've I felt like there was this huge jump when I was able to and I remember practicing this alone so eating and drinking my best case scenario is like a, a mild uphill <laughs> <laughs> downhill no way like need brakes and like uh control on the handlebars and like too much uphill and I'm just like breathing too hard and it's like right. harder so a mild uphill is my my goal spot for eating but I remember like practicing like eating a goo while moving and I was probably like you know barely inching along but like basically being able to get it out of my pack like kind of rip off the top, put the thing down, like be able to put the wrapper like in my pocket and then like be able to eat the goo and I think still now I like it's, it's definitely a precarious process still like eating the goo, I'll have it in my mouth and like every now and again I'll like be able to like lift my hand up enough to like squeeze out some goo and then like put my hand back on the bars or whatever but but sometimes I'll have like moments where I'm like oh I can actually have my hand up for like I don't know five seconds (laughs) wow (laughs) (laughs) but compared to like oh my god half a second is feeling like so super long right or something like that like definitely to to reflect on that has been really interesting yeah the past year of just like whoa I remember when I couldn't actually even drink while riding, like, right. huh, now I'm feeling like pretty comfortable drinking. And then
0: um, when we got into the summer, mm. I remember like you were really sensitive to the temperature, and it was really hard to manage your body heat. Yeah, so
1: particularly when we did um, the Gaudi Grinder race together, and this, I always, I epic. Found, Laramie or, Range the, epic. yeah, yeah, Laramie Range epic, um, you were like, I'm gonna ride this race with you, and I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna go a lot slower than you. Like, I'm not sure why you'd want to ride with me. And you're just like, I'm doing it, and it was just like, Okay, like that's your decision, <laughs> kind of thing. But you were like my fairy godmother, like throughout it. Like I'd go up this hill, and you'd be like, How are you doing? Like, do you need a break? Let's stop for a second. <laughs> You could, like, see and read on my body what was going on, like, more than I was willing to admit what was going on. I know. You, like,
0: did not want to show your...
1: (laughs) I'm, like, almost crying because I'm, like, so just dead from the heat. Right. Um, But apparently this is actually, like, a, a very common neurological symptom. So a lot of people with MS actually have this as well where they're even more sensitive to heat. And one of the things, like... I often I reflect that a lot of the things that quote-unquote would go wrong with my body like pre-tumor or just like where maybe my body wasn't like the average that I was seeing like I've always been heat sensitive that's just like exacerbated now with the tumor for whatever reason yeah and so now I'm super sensitive to heat and so that race, I remember we got to the first aid station, and you're just like ice. We need ice right now. It's just like oh god, like kind of embarrassed. But like at the same time, like you're here, like making sure, like I'm gonna finish this race, like super taking care of me in every way that's possible. I can't remember. I think you found out like they had a water hose available or something, and you're like she needs to be hosed <laughs> down,
0: <Trend share. laughs> Exactly. <laughs>
1: the other aid station I was putting uh, ice cubes down the front of my shirt like in my bra and you're like in the back of my shirt putting ice cubes down my bra and I was like this actually feels so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah uh, uh didn't did, uh yeah one of my uh competitive things is like I don't like being last like yeah. it, it, anywhere in between, kind of first and second to last is fine, <laughs> <laughs> but not dead last. Yeah, something I'm still working through. <laughs> um, but I, I was not last. <laughs> I think. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we made it through that race. Uh, thanks to your help. And now that so the crazy other part. When I, when I, uh, signed up for this mountain bike coach and was like, yeah, I think this five day stage race is my goal. I had never actually done a mountain bike race like in my life. Oh, that's right. And and, like, I had never like wanted to do a mountain bike race. Um, it was more just like, you know, that's just like, it's, it's an easy point. It's, it's something you can point to as like a goal. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, my first race was with you when we did the Bear bay eight in Casper yeah. which was uh enduro lap-style race. Eight hours.
0: Yeah, we each biked, like, f- over four hours. Yep. Yeah, and I remember <laughs> you were so determined to not only do another lap, which you didn't have to do, because we, we were winning our category <laughs> Yeah, by helps, default. <laughs> it, it helps
1: when you're the only one in your category.
0: But, yeah, yeah, I
1: remember at lap three... Like, so each lap was taking me like an hour and 15. You were doing like closer to, to an hour. I was more like an hour and 15. And I remember that third lap was so tough. Like I got back and I was just like so exhausted. And it, w- it was, you, you can start as many laps in that race as you can in eight hours. So you don't have to be done your last lap in eight hours. And you were going to come in, and it was going to be, like, seven and a half hours or some, some what, something right. that, like, you could still start another lap. And I was kind of just like, I feel like I have to. I mean, Melissa did four laps, like, and and what if I could do four laps? Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, well, nothing's going to go wrong. It's not like we're going to lose our standing. This <laughs> is number one in our, our uh, division. <laughs> Might as well go for it. And, yeah, I was surprised. It almost felt like my fourth lap went better than my third lap.
0: I think it did. (laughs) And I remember Andreas being really shocked. And I was shocked when you went out for that lap. But at the same time, I was like, whoa! (laughs) (laughs) I've never seen somebody so determined. Ever. It was really cool. Um, Yeah. um, I guess... uh, What, uh, what else do you want to talk about with your brain tumor? Have you, um, has it ever felt like it's changed your identity in a way? Like who, how you view yourself or how, you know, like, have you come to accept it that it's there and like, it's part of you now? Yeah, that's an interesting question.
1: So. Fortunately, throughout most of this, I feel like, although I lost a lot of physical abilities, a lot of my mental abilities have stayed relatively intact. And that being, like, my ability to, like, understand what's going on and make connections that maybe other people aren't seeing. And I think that's been so helpful that that's been consistent. And... My physical challenges, since I didn't identify, like, as a physical person, like, yes, I was doing a lot of athletic things, but I didn't frame my life around being a physical person as much as I framed my life around being, like, mentally <laughs> with it. Right. Uh, I think that helped a lot in me keeping, like, who I am. When it, kind of at my tumor's worst, I, I, I felt like an 80- or 90-year-old In terms of, like, I was having difficulty getting out of chairs or um, even my memory, particularly my short-term memory, was crap. It's still, like, not great, but I've started putting a lot of other things in place in my life to help that or to compensate, essentially. And I think it's, at least for me... It's easier to imagine um, compensating mentally, like by having lists or just writing a lot more things down, or creating documents that I wouldn't create previously to have documentation of like how this thing goes, so I don't have to like re-remember right. each time. So now I kind of feel like I'm a 50-year-old instead of this like 80, 90-year-old, and sometimes I wonder like, oh, I wonder if I'll meet myself in my 40s in terms of like, oh, this is like where my kind of cognitive phys- physical decline might have been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or something like that. Um, but I yeah, I honestly don't remember the question anymore. And that's, that's one of the challenges of my, my brain thing is my memory sucks a little bit. And especially in telling stories, like if I try to do like a double story, I closed like the loop that I just got into and then I can't remember what that original loop was and it's
0: just like, I, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's mostly, you know, how, how you view yourself and I think that's really descriptive when you talk about feeling like, an, you know, an old person to like starting to come closer to your actual age as you're getting better. I mean, that's a huge jump in just a couple of years.
1: Oh yeah. For sure. Yeah, like my doctors are essentially giddy when they see me. Yeah. And I think part of that is because like in the brain tumor center, you really just don't see positive outcomes like this very often. Right. And I think like my neuro oncologist in particular she talks about rereading my entire case file every single time before like she comes in because she just doesn't understand how I'm doing this well. Wow. And she, I think she feels like, you know, could we have misdiagnosed her? Or like, was this something we just haven't seen before? And maybe it reacted well to radiation, but we don't even know what it is. Because they can't biopsy it or diagnose like what it is uh, more concretely. And I think that's just one of the challenges of the brain is like you don't have access to it very often. Um, But, yeah, she has, like, no idea how I'm operating the way I am. Or a lot of times, like, when I was in treatment, I was talking to my doctors about, like, you know, I kind of feel like I'm becoming, like, average American. Like, I am going to think about planning canoe trips instead of pack rafting trips. Or, like, all these things that I thought were, like, average. Or, like, maybe I'll do more, like, Nordic cross-country skiing instead of downhill skiing, you know? Kind of these just, like, lesser speed sports (laughs) yeah or like not as much coordination maybe needed in some of them but in february so like pretty soon after uh treatment i did treatment in all of october and november in february one of our friends like let us use their house in oregon and we ended up kind of accidentally going on a 12-mile hike because <laughs> it, wow. was, it wasn't supposed to be like that long it was only gonna be like four miles but then it was like oh if you just go a little bit further and then you get to a waterfall and why wouldn't you want to go to the waterfall and it was also it was on this like totally uneven like icy terrain and stuff and like we got back and uh we're telling our doctors about this and you're like you know the average American probably hasn't gone like 12 miles on a hike like in their life right like and this is you just like oh you know out for a day and granted like I did that and like and then I had I like slept the entire next day like completely exhausted that was everything I had not necessarily in the moment but like getting back from things is very different now and I think that's one of the reasons why I was attracted to this idea of like a stage race or multi-day race because that fatigue is just, like, my biggest unknown, or, like, can I get back from it? Like, I right. don't know, or what's that implication going to be? Yeah. Uh Yeah, and then in May, we... <laughs> uh, May after treatment, uh, my birthday weekend, there's often this race in Washington, a navigation race, and this year, or that particular year, I guess that would have been 2021, they were had an option to do a 24-hour race or you could do like 12 hours within that 24-hour span and we we're like oh maybe we can do this 12, 12 hours and 24-hour span uh, me and Andreas my partner and uh, he's super supportive <laughs> and basically we did this race and we ended up going like 35 miles. Wow. Um, in those 12 hours. Like we we did I don't I don't remember if it was like 8 hours slept a bunch of hours and then like went out yeah. again, but Uh, basically like I'm telling my doctors like we essentially went 35 miles and they're just like aghast like you did what and I'm like yeah but I mean previously we would have run this or we might have even done the 24 hours and 24 hours (laughs) kind of thing (laughs) and they're like you're not comprehending like you have a brain tumor like these are not things you should be thinking about like is possible (laughs) kind of like they didn't tell me uh, my ambitions were too high directly but that's certainly what they're reactions (laughs) right we're saying they're like yeah you're you're no average American (laughs) you can't stop this (laughs) yeah um so after that I think in I can't remember if it was like June or July um I did my first rock climb again like and I I it felt like the first time I went climbing like I did Essentially, did we, we we're outside climbing because it's still COVID and I like I don't want to get COVID like having a brain tumor. Who knows how much crazier that's gonna be? And so we did like three routes, uh, like five seven, five eight, five six, and like by the end of it, I was I couldn't even like use my hands to grip the rock. Like I had to like grip around my wrist. Like fortunately, the holes were big enough on the last five six so that I could do that a little bit. But it was like basically felt like the first time I went climbing. Right, like, no stamina. I don't remember the next day, but I'm sure it was a lot of sleeping. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but then, like, in, I think it was July of that year, um, one of my friends from Vermont came out and visited, and I was in Park City, and we went into the Uintas, and we did an overnight backpack trip, and it was, like, 20-plus miles that we uh, went, and we both had, like, I think pretty similar uh, weighted packs. Wow. Um. And did it overnight and back, yeah, but for a lot of it, I was like, well, you know, uh, I have my like spot safety device that I can like message Andreas if I need assistance, or like you know, someone to come in like carry my pack, or we could turn around. like there was a bunch of spots where we could go back if it wasn't working. so right. a lot of these adventures have felt like safe in in the way that like i'm always I'm always like have calculated risk of like, oh, you know we we could get back by doing this or right. whatnot. And it's interesting, like, signing up for this ride um, in March in Moab to do a three-day stage race. Like, some parts of me are like, that is so nutty that, like, not that far out of two years after treatment that I'm signing up for, like, a three-day stage race that's, like, 75-plus miles with, like, 8,000-plus feet of elevation gain. And part of me is, like, so nervous about particularly – the the elevation gain if I'll be able to handle that and or how that'll impact going downhill yeah. because like when I'm full strength I can go downhill but what is that going to be like after you know 3000 feet of climbing right. like am I going to have that control cuz I certainly get shakier yeah. like when I'm tired right. um and but then at the same time in in some ways I have like this perfect excuse to fail like I mean in, not like that I'm trying to fail but just like if I say can't do three days of the stage race, it's like, you have a brain tumor and you're barely two years out of treatment. Like, how could you expect to, you know, finish it? Like, it's almost like this perfect excuse. Um, and so, like, I don't have to worry about my ego as much. <laughs> right, like you don't have to feel like you have to be so competitive or, you know. Yeah, Cause compare like, s- how you
0: fin- you're finishing times. Yeah, just,
1: tr- just completing it would be, like, phenomenal. Right. Um, And so, yeah, part of it is, like, this, it, the, doing the three-day stage race kind of sounds like the hardest thing I've ever physically done. Yeah. In terms of just where my abilities are and how, I don't know, potentially far out that feels. (laughs) I mean, we're two, we're two months away from that race now, and it's just, like, oh, man. I know. I've, I mean... I've, I've done like one of those days, yeah, (laughs) on its own maybe (laughs) since the tumor, but three days of it back to back is like
0: oh damn. Yeah, I felt like that going into the Arizona Trail Race too, because I was just like, you know how, how am I even gonna like ride my bike all day, Um, because I've never done that in my life, (laughs) and two how you know how's my brain gonna respond to these like really long days, I'm going to get really symptomatic or, you know, just not even knowing. And there's not really easy places to fail. Hmm. But, um, but it was interesting because when I was there, I felt like my brain just like soaked up being outside (laughs) and soaked up the adventure. It was almost like you're on this, you know, like a runner's high or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you're you're able to like push yourself a lot harder than you ever thought even before you know for me before my accident and then um i think the same for you like you'll probably you'll probably get out there and be like you know distracted by the everything with the um, the race and the adventure and you'll probably go wow like we're done (laughs) we're done today i can't believe it yeah well that's one of the crazy parts
1: too is like i have no idea how long it's going to take me like at all like i feel like a lot of people before they come into a race they're like oh okay you know i'm pretty sure particularly runners you know like oh i'm pretty sure this is my mile per hour kind of average yeah whatnot and i i have no clue right like yeah. I like for for one of the races that we did I looked at all the results and I saw whoever was the took the longest and I was like okay that's my goal time <laughs> is essentially like the person who previously did that race that took the longest like I want to be like I ran like if their if their time was like I don't know let's say f- five hours 36 minutes I was like my goal time is five hours 30 minutes <laughs> <laughs> just like rounded to the nearest half hour or fifteen yeah. minutes or something,
0: like I, I have no clue. Right, <laughs> but it's kind of it's kind of neat how um, you know when you're really um, focused on all this data and stuff, and then all of a sudden, like you know, with your brain stuff, it just kind of throws some of that out the window and now you have all these other variables that you have to account for, it becomes a new, it almost becomes a new type of data challenge. You know, the data fatigue, the, you know, the amount of brain fog or, you know, if you're gonna get heat sensitive, you know, like, what are all these factors? And, um, but, you know, you almost have to enjoy that part of the, journey to figure out all of that, and then it's a huge reward at the end when, you know, you're able to accomplish that.
1: Yeah, totally, and I think that's part of what I like about it is just the idea that, like, this is a totally new challenge, where, like, even if I, like, had done races previously, (laughs) just that they would be totally different, and it's just, like, Okay. There's a lot of un- a lot more unknowns now. <laughs> yeah. Like how, how are we gonna get through them? Right. Yeah. But you will. <laughs> I know you will. I'll know you get through it. <laughs> you you will be my my ever present fairy godmother <laughs> cheerleader. I believe that.
0: <laughs> oh well. Is there anything else that you want to mention or you know with dealing with brain tumor and. You know, looking at the future and, you know, now you're, now you're, like, tackling all these massive goals that normal people don't even think about.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think, um, for me, one of the things that I thought about a lot while I was going through treatment is just this idea of, like, how, how can I spend more time on the things that give me energy and how can I try as hard as I can to not worry about not spending time on the things that take energy away. Yeah. And, like, that's definitely been something that I focused on, like, throughout. Like, right after treatment, I mean, I I couldn't really do any work on Waymarek. Or, like, a couple months after treatment, I could do, like, an hour or two hours or something like that. And then, like, eventually I could do, like, four hours maybe at the computer, like if I got like, really uh, in flow. <laughs> but um, it's, it's been increasing over, over time, certainly. And it, in some ways, I think parts of it have helped me have more focus, because it's like, okay, I only have you know, a couple of hours of like, really good brain power. Right. And so how do I make sure I have my list of exactly what do I wanna accomplish in that time? And so in some ways, like, there's been helpful pieces of, like, adding focus. And overall, I I try to just keep coming back to this idea that, like, okay, what gives you energy and what, you know, kind of gives you motivation to do these next things or try these hard things? Like, some of the workouts that I'm doing now, like, if I'm sustaining the same amount of time, like, at the computer, plus doing these workouts to try to get ready for uh, an ambitious ride, then... It's just like I'm I'm just like so tired at the end of the day. Like I can tell I've used up like every bit of energy I have and then maybe some. Yeah. And I mean partly being okay with that and then partly like I mean if I need a rest day the next day or something like that, being like, okay, I'm you know, I'm not angry at myself or something for needing to lie in bed or, you know, right. feeling bad about having a rest day. So that, like, certainly is something that's, like, new and different in my life. Like, pre-tumor, I didn't have, like, mental rest days or, (laughs) like, (laughs) um, at least I didn't perceive them like I am now. Like, maybe I would would have been at the computer and just, like, would have procrastinated harder tasks on doing easier tasks or something. Um, But now I have, like, very active mental rest days or mental and physical because um, that's one of the things that changed a lot for me is pre-tumor, I felt like I had separate buckets of energy for like mental tasks and physical tasks. I don't know if that, I mean, that's probably not actually true in how my body was uh, working, but at least psychologically, that's how I would explain my right. ener- my levels of energy. And it felt like post-tumor that all went into one bucket, and it was compact. <laughs> and so I had, like, so much less energy right. to uh, be at the computer, or if I did something active outside, then I certainly wasn't going to have any time to, or any, like, mental energy to be on the computer. Like, yeah. I mean, even now, just writing emails some days can be so hard. Yeah. Um, or, like, I'll I reread emails, like, you know, eight times now. And then on the eighth time I'm still finding weird spelling errors or weird words like that I'll mix up. Um, the other day I was tired and whenever I'm tired I have like extra brain mess ups in sentences like when I'm typing them out. Uh, and, some, and I went back and read some emails uh, before sending them and I was like, I don't even know what word that was supposed to be. <laughs> Like, a lot of times, like, it'll, I'll just, like, interchange a word, like, instead of writing, like, who we, I'll write we we, or, like, I repeat words a lot, like, especially small words. I don't know what it is, like, I'll have, like, is is, um, and stuff like that, and just have to, like, go take out one of them, but the other day, I was finding, like, words that I I don't even know what they're supposed to be, and I was like, huh, okay, clearly, like, I'm tired. Right. (laughs) And so, some tasks just, like, like, way longer. Yeah. Um, But. Yeah yeah I think just the idea of like giving yourself grace for those things is really helpful and just being like that's just the way it is like your brain is trying it's just maybe not connecting the way you'd like it to yeah but um maybe be more helpful to go rest or you know don't feel bad about watching like a Netflix episode instead of watching like I don't know an informative YouTube video about how to like complete this next project or (laughs) something like that like so you're using all your time to the best ways but yeah I think about it a lot as just energy and I think whether you've gone through cancer or uh, another type of brain injury or any anything just really being able to focus on what does give you energy yeah and being like okay those are the things that I want to incorporate more of in my life and how can I like, seek those out, or work to get them more in. Yeah. Wow. And, And not feeling bad about the times, about not doing the things that take you a lot of energy. Yeah. Like, I feel really bad when I don't answer, like, an email from a relative, or, like, I don't reach out to a relative as often, say, as I would want to, but at the same time, like, those emails take me so much more energy, because, like, it's, it's not just a business email where I'm, like, getting something done. There's, like, a very clear ending or whatnot. It's, like, it's an emotional thing. Like, you want to share with this person, right. have a shared experience, like, bring them into your world. Like, it's just, it takes so much more brain power to right. do those kinds of things. So it's, like, as, as as much as I would like to do that more, at the same time, it, like, doesn't give me energy. because It just it takes so much energy. So, like, I do want to make that connection, but maybe what are other ways that I can do that? Um, with, without it taking as much energy. Yeah. Like I actually um, started texting with one of my uh, relatives and I love that because it it's so much less energy than an email but like still keeps me in contact yeah. with that person. And I was like, oh, you know, maybe that's something I could do with more people in terms of, yeah, I've been wanting to write you this email a really long time, but actually if I just like say hey, or look at this picture, we were just out hiking, or something like that, is still being able to like keep those connections right. without taking as much energy.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's, I feel that way too. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thank you, Allison, um, for telling your story. And um, I'm really excited about Moab Rocks. I know you're gonna kill it. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll just be in the fairy godmother dust of, of you somewhere ahead. <laughs> and, you know, your stuff is really inspiring. It's so cool to watch you do stuff because, you know, I know when you sign up for something or you're gung-ho about whatever ride, I'm like, I, I have to do it because Allison's <laughs> doing it. Like, It just gives me that extra um to, <laughs> to get out of my comfort zone. And so it's, it's really cool. Um, but yeah, you're, you're going to kill it and it's going to be a fun race. So this means we're also doing Bear Bay 8 again? Yeah, we're and doing we're, that too. For- Good. <laughs> 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 well, everybody who's listening, thanks for tuning in. We're, um, really happy you joined us for this one. And please, please share with your family and friends who could use a little extra, extra inspiration for for dealing with trauma and um, we look forward to sharing our next episode with you.